0: Ho 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 for some hoops hoops hoops! Happy holidays here from Back Sports Page and the Hardwood Huddle. I'm Randy Zelia from BackSportsPage.com, and joining me as always the man who is not in COVID protocol in the NBA. He is he is our Sith leader. He is the Jedi Knight. He is Lord Vader himself. He is Mr. Bill Ingram.
1: Bill, happy holidays. Good to see you, my brother. Me too, my friend. I, I think the Force uh, actually keeps you safe from COVID. That's my. <laughs> So. <laughs> I, I literally just seen there's just, a bunch of I, shots in a booster.
0: <laughs> I literally just had a man, I just imagined in my head Luke Skywalker saying, I'm vaccinated. Yeah, that would be great. So, listen, last time we were on the air, we were with Derek Stafford. Uh, great episode with him. And, and I got to tell, you, we're, we're going to be joined by Seth Kamins from the Seth and Sean show from backsportspage.com uh, momentarily. But man, I gotta gotta tell you, man, the NBA minus the COVID positive tests, it's been an interesting season so far.
1: It has. Um, we've had a lot of interesting injuries. We've had some teams overachieve, some teams underachieve, and uh, but for the most part, the teams we expected to be good are good. Um, the teams we expected to dominate are dominating, with the exception of Miami because they've had so many people hurt. Um, but they were dominating when they were healthy. And then, of course, Steph Curry has done what we knew he would do, which was break the all-time record for a three-point shooting and did it in the classy way that Steph Curry does everything. Um, so there's there's been plenty to plenty of interesting things, plenty of things to get excited about. If you're a Golden State Warriors fan or a Utah Jazz fan or um, a Milwaukee Bucks fan, they've gotten healthy. Um, there's lots of um, interesting storylines going on around the league.
0: And, and some news broke today about Zion Williamson. He's, uh, he, had re- he received a foot injection, and he's been very, very frustrated with his, his uh, recovery from his surgery. I got to tell you, man, I just – Zion Williamson, you know how there's a guy who comes into the league with hype? Mm-hmm. And, and just maybe the hype was too big for what it really was? I think that's Zion. I just am not buying this. the stock in Zion Williamson. He's always hurt. It seems like he's never going to be able to play an 82-game season. Not that that's a mandatory thing in the league anymore, but for all the hype that he gets, he hasn't sniffed the playoffs yet.
1: The name that comes to mind is Greg Oden. Yes, no. No, this is, this is better than Greg Oden. The piece this is that better. really put the Blazers in the finals and uh, with LaMarcus Aldridge and Brandon Roy. And dude just never did get healthy ever, never did.
0: I, I just the thing is, I don't look at him as Greg Oden like, but I do look at him as a guy. I'm trying to put my finger on who, on maybe on who he is, but this is now going into season number three, and season number three, he's always had something holding him back as far injury, and I gotta tell you. You know, If you remember correctly, Amari Stoudemire, maybe his third or fourth year, went down with a knee injury, and it forced him to change his game. Absolutely. I think Zion Williamson's going to have to learn a whole, uh, as they say in the wrestling world, he's going to have to go away and learn a new hole because it's is, it, is he's not going to have the same explosiveness when he comes back, especially with
1: foot and knee injuries. Well, Amari had that recon... Uh, what was that? Where they puncture holes in the knee, and then they fill it in with... What's the word? Microfracture. He had microfracture. No surgery on that knee and yeah you're no longer the high flying guy now you're going to operate you know you can still operate in the paint and he was incredible I mean one of the great success stories as far as players who have had that surgery so many players just were never the same and Amari found a way to be an all-star uh, adjusting to life with that surgery how it changed his game can Zion do that um you know I I don't know that's at this point, we've seen Zion so little, um, but in the meantime, you've got a franchise that's foundering. You've got a general manager um, in David Griffin who is talk about on the bubble. You've already had, you've already gone through a coach. How many people's careers get derailed because that pick, which was the no-brainer, no one questioned, Zion was it? That was every bit the shoe in as LeBron James uh, or this year with Cade. Uh, there was no second-guessing that pick, and then to have his career be nothing so far.
0: Is- yeah, and, and I got and I got to tell you, too, with you saying that, Zion Williamson has proven he has not been happy in New Orleans since he's got there. He knew it on draft night. He wanted to be a member of the New York Knicks, loves playing in Madison Square Garden. This will be the New York Knicks of luck.
1: <laughs> yeah, right?
0: <laughs> Good news about- with... <laughs> Good news! We signed Zion Williamson's knee. Had...
1: <laughs>
0: with, with so, with that being said, so that was the top news story besides all the COVID, um, all the well, COVID po- protocol
1: news. Um, yesterday, Tim McMahon, who I was with all the time at, at American Airlines Center when I was covering the Mavs, um, broke. I well, not really break a story, but he, he wrote a story that kind of explained the divorce with Rick Carlisle. Yes, I did
0: see that story. Yeah.
1: filled in some gaps in a way that uh, we knew the essentials of it. We knew that Luca and Rick weren't the best of buddies. We didn't exactly know why. Uh, and we didn't exactly know what the hell was going on in the first round of the playoffs last year because watching it, you're like, what? They've just all quit. Who? including Rick. Everyone just quit except Luca. Um, And that article filled in the fact that Rick, and I think you you go back to the pick where he wanted the Mavs to draft Donovan Mitchell for obvious reasons. And instead, the Mavs being the Mavs on draft night, uh, they drafted (laughs) Dennis Smith Jr., who never, I mean, is even still in the league. He's probably getting paid by New York, but (laughs) – you know, listen. Uh, you're I, on New York's
0: payroll right now, so
1: I don't. <laughs> i they still paying Isaiah Thomas, the player, not the the older player, not the young guy that just signed with the Lakers? But then to see some of it, though, I don't understand. Uh, to say that Rick was unwilling to use Kristaps Porzingis in the paint, I find very disingenuous because Chris, because he doesn't play in the paint for Jason Kidd either. Their last game, he was. I think one for seven from three point range. He is so in love with his three point shot and he's just not a good three point shooter. He's an okay three point shooter, but he's not a good, he's not Dirk. He's not a good three point shooter where you want him is in the paint. And I get the feeling that Rick realized Porzingis was just not going to play there. And he said, fine, if you're not going to play there, then go stand in the corner, right? Like, I th- I
0: think I think and not only Rick but I think the Mavericks fans wanted Porzingis to be the second coming of Dirk Nowitzki and he's just not that. He is not a guy who he's a guy who's going to give you about 50 to 60 games a year maybe 17 between 17 and 23 points a game and he is a second option at best. He is not a number 1, he is not Batman as we like to say here on the show. He is definitely a robin in that sense. When he's so- healthy
1: when he, but the problem is he's not healthy enough to be your dependable Robin. You really need him to be your third guy, but he makes too much money, and you g- gave up too much. You know that's just a the thing that kills me. Uh, I loved watching Dirk do what players don't do anymore, which was hey, the Mavericks essentially drafted him. The Bucks drafted him, but they drafted him so they could trade him to Dallas. It was already done. So essentially, the Mavs drafted Dirk, and he spent his entire career. Here in Dallas. And that was awesome. Even at the end, where it's like he still had game and the Mavs didn't, and like Houston wanted him Golden State. You're like, man, Dirk, go get another ring. But he didn't do that. He stayed. I really have a hard time seeing Luca spend his entire career in Dallas if the best they can put around him is Kristaps Porzingis, And I mean, not to knock Tim Hardaway Jr., he's a good player, but that was but your big offset. But I mean, he's
0: not a. He's not a three. He's not, he's not even – he's like – he's not a Robin. He, he's not even Alfred. You know, He's, he's not even Alfred in that situation.
1: I, the so Dallas wrong. doesn't have depth. Rick Carlisle and this going on with Rick and that, that's all fine. But the Mavs are a 500 team. And that's with Jason Kidd, who we are on the record on this show as well. I liked Jason Kidd as a player. Really liked working with him when he was at the Mavs. But is he a coach? Who's going to transform the Mavericks into a playoff team with the roster as constructed? No way. No, no coach could do that. No.
0: Definitely not. And we're gonna let's bring on our uh, our our good friend Seth Kamen from the Seth and Sean show here at Backsportspage.com. Seth, what's up, brother? Hey Randy, how you doing? Hey Bill. Long time no speak. Yeah. See <laughs> so, so we're 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 talking
2: we're talking right now about some of the news
0: stories going around the NBA. Non-COVID
2: protocol news. Are story. there are there stories going around the NBA non non NBA non-COVID protocol?
0: Well, we just discussed the Zion Williamson situation on how Zion look, I I think that the uh was it? The, the bullet has left the gun on him. I just don't see him being this player that a franchise can build around. He can't even get on the court. This is the third season where he's not going to be playing more than 50 games.
2: Now, if you remember a couple of years ago in the big controversy and everyone loved the Zion pick and you had that number two in Memphis fell to Memphis uh, from Murray state. And I remember Randy and you and I talked about this, that he, and I loved at that point, loved college basketball. And I watched him and God, he was beautiful to watch. And he's the best. Look, Morant is the best young point guard in the NBA. Absolutely. And you look at Memphis, and they're they're a slow build. They got some pieces, but they're not there. New Orleans is a mess. He doesn't. He's not motivated to be there. He's not motivated in general. It doesn't seem. Um, again, maybe because there's no real leadership there. There's no one who's going to kick. When the rookie coming in is the franchise, you've got a problem. And so to him. He waits out his contract. He does whatever he needs to do. He doesn't resign for whatever they're going to offer, and they go from there. Uh, look, New Orleans is a really bad franchise with a lot with not much upside at this point. And you know, you kind of hoped after the Anthony Davis deal, bringing in Mont- bringing in Ball and Ingram and Hart, that you'd get that there'd be some build. Just hasn't happened, and it doesn't look like it's happening
1: anytime soon. And they've taken like two steps backward from that, even like now you don't even have like what do you, you have Brandon Ingram, what else do you have? Mm. nothing, and then you move Stephen Adams, you don't even have toughness anymore now you like oh my gosh,
2: no they're they're give or take they're a half a step above the Oklahoma cities and the you know but at least Oklahoma City is playing hard, yeah, yeah. Houston has won seven in a row or seven at once, you know, New Orleans could end up being the worst team in the NBA this year, which is says a lot. I don't
0: know. Detroit's got them beat right now. Only four wins, four and 22. Yeah. But at
2: least you're building, you know, Weaver's Weaver's broken down this team and built, you look, you bring in Cade, you have, you have some, you have young, very young players and you hope some materialize and, some aren't going to. You see what happens. But New Orleans doesn't even have really young talent anymore. They're like the New York Giants of the NBA. <laughs> they have overpriced mediocrity. And they're going nowhere. Well,
0: you, would you guys believe me if I told you the hottest team in the Eastern Conference right now is the Cleveland Cavaliers?
1: And that's without Sexton. That's without Colin Sexton. But look, that's a team. They're so good. Even Kevin Love is starting to care.
2: <laughs> <It's>
1: Taking <laughs> him about five years. You had all those young picks, pick after pick after pick. You put all these young players together, and it's happening the way it's supposed to happen. They're all coming into their own together, and it's really something to see. And,
2: and you look, you wonder now. Garland is a borderline is a borderline all star. And now, when I mean Sexton is, what do you do with Sexton? No, the trade value has always been a bit up in the air anyway because he's a scorer, but he's he's not a you know he's not a one on a good team. No, and nobody's going to put up. No one's going to put up with him that has a real talent. With what it seems like, what seems like what he is in the in 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 on the team. So. I don't know what the value is for him, but between him and Al, between the Coro and and, 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 Christ Garland and Allen and Mobley, you've got some nice pieces. Mm-hmm. Alan, Allen's
0: playing very well. Uh, Ricky Rubio has been a nice piece for that team. Who's played very well, very well for them. Look, this is a team that, you know, has turned the East a little bit. I think Cleveland and Chicago are the teams that we weren't expecting to see this high in the Eastern conference. We thought maybe they'd be in that fighting for the ninth or 10th playing spot. I'm looking at the Eastern conference and Seth and bill. I got to tell you, man, uh, you know, we, we spoke about Miami about once they get healthy, once they get bam back, once they get their guys back, they're going to be a force, but you look at the rest of the top 10. If I would have told you in the beginning of the season, Boston, Atlanta, and Philadelphia, we're going to be three out of the four teams on the bottom half of the play-in, or you know, sorry, in the play-in situation. I probably would have called you a liar at this point.
1: Yeah, Atlanta, especially. I really thought Atlanta would be in the four, three, four, five range. Um, I absolutely thought Chicago had the best. Chicago and Miami had the best off seasons of any yeah. teams in the league.
0: They won. They won. The, they won the preseason. They definitely did win the preseason. All,
2: I'll be honest. I I loved the Lonzo deal. I did not love the DeRozan deal. I didn't think. I didn't think. I didn't think it made a lot of sense because I didn't think it was a team that really was going to challenge. And as nice a scorer as DeRozan is, he's not a guy you need at thirty million dollars a year if you're not challenging for anything. He's an extra piece. But I, they've been
1: excellent. I liked it from the standpoint of DeRozan. I thought he would be the third guy. And that was the perfect role for him because San Antonio tried to make him the first guy. And they tried to make him, they tried to make him Batman. They tried to make him Robin. They tried to make LaMarcus Aldridge Batman. They tried to make LaMarcus Robin. Neither one of those guys wanted to be in any way, shape or form. And so I thought, well, you put him in Chicago where you've already added so many, you know, Savage and some other key guys. Okay. Now, Derozan can be the guy who shows up every fifth game and and then gives you 12 or 15 points sort of on an average, and that'll be great. But instead, Derozan has risen as almost the star of the team a lot a lot of nights. So didn't see that coming. I thought it would work well, but I didn't think he would be. It's like all of a sudden he's remembered what it means to dominate a game. So that's what that's really been why Chicago is. If you if they're overachieving, that's why.
2: Yeah. I I don't disagree. I'll be honest. I didn't see Cleveland going. I didn't. I don't think anyone saw Cleveland. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't buy it. Um, I, I,
0: yeah. I I think with with DeRozan, we have this is the type of player DeRozan was when he was in Toronto in the beginning when he first came into the league. He he, he eventually elevated his game and was able to get to a level where we were talking about him as a possible All Star, lower level All Star, and now he's actually playing like that in Chicago. Chicago is a team man if they finish in the top 4 everyone's going to want to play that team in the first round of the playoffs because of the inexperience
2: you know what though if they make the top, if they're the top 4 billy donovan should be the coach of the year
1: absolutely there shouldn't even be
2: a discussion
1: i yeah. i think he's already coach of the year
2: he is as of now but it's it's hard to go too far in because we're still a third into the season yeah i don't want to jump too crazy
1: but- as you know, that we our first show of the season, I think we were like five games in or eight games into the season. And we we're talking about all the trends that you know, two months from now, we get to Christmas, and here we are. What was not going to be a story? Sacramento looks so good those first five or six games. Harrison Barnes was an MVP candidate. <laughs> like, this team at Christmas this team is not going to be good, and they're not those early trends. Uh, you're so right. I, we have a bigger sample size now. But as we see the early stuff where you like, oh wow, uh, many of those things are the league is yeah. turning to what you expect. Uh, the oh yeah. and eighty, you
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> like like I I nobody like I saw the Washington Wizards was up in the top six for a while, and now they're starting to come back to where they're supposed to be.
1: No, well, like you know, that, that's the big thing. They had so many changes where so much of their roster was different and Teams, they have to play them once or twice, and then the scouting report starts to get around the league, and now they start to face a defense that knows what's coming right. and do they have the ability to adjust to that. Um, kind of like Jeremy Lynn. Remember, oh, Jeremy Lynn was amazing for about two weeks before the All-Star. game was a greatness. And then, <laughs> then the film got around, and then he sort of looked like Jeremy Lynn looked uh, forever.
0: <laughs> and then are we safe? Are we safe to? Are we safe but, to say that Boston Celtics are just not a good basketball team this year? Uh, we, yeah. Like, are I, we? Are we I there?
2: We came to that. I think we came to that conclusion last year. Mm-hmm. You you have two great swing men. Robert Williams is has is a is a developing talent, but you've got you don't have much else and. Marcus Smart at twenty million dollars a year. I get why you did it, but it's he's not a twenty million dollar a year point guard anywhere other than Boston. You have no trade assets. You have no bench. There, we I both Sean and I had them in the play-in um, because we didn't know really what to make of the, of the the division because it's I mean the Nets are a step above, but the next four teams literally because nobody knew how Philly was going to play out with the Simmons issue. Toronto is still very talented. I mean, think about it. They're, yes, Kawhi is two years gone, but they're still two years from a title. I didn't mind the Lowry move as much as everyone else did. I thought $33 million a year for Lowry was absurd anyway at this point in his career.
1: And Drogic, so, yeah. What would you say? And Drogic's
2: Jiraja a tragically underrated player. He just has to stay healthy. Yep. Um, and I love Scotty Barnes, who was my pick for Rookie of the Year. But yeah, Boston's going nowhere. And what do you even do? You can't trade one of your two 25 year old studs. No. You have nothing else. No. For that's as what much I'm as
1: good, they I'm got good. with those draft picks. Danny, Danny Ainge Danny, David Danny, David better. was like, oh, thank you very much for handing me this. Brad Stevens is, you know, and then Ainge has another job. Like, But that's. <laughs> one of the owners of the Jazz is a very good friend of his so I was talking to one of their other front office guys I was like you guys now have the most expensive front office in the league <laughs> yeah, doesn't do anything like everything that needs to be done to this team is done what do you he doesn't do something well that you need done the Jazz are stock the Rudy Gay tweak was amazing like what? Well, uh, and and not only that, but Utah
0: also has assets. That's the thing that's even more scary is they have draft assets. They have all these different assets. They're they're in really 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 good shape, guys. Let's let's trans uh, let's tr- transition over to the West and look. The Warriors are the Warriors. We knew eventually you don't have Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins on your team, and Steve Kerr as a coach, and you're going to keep missing the playoffs or have to go in the play-in. They're back and they're back with a vengeance. Andrew Wiggins is actually looking like he's a uh, a real NBA player, and they don't even have Clay Thompson yet. Mm-hmm. Guys, what are we? What's going on here? Is the Warriors? Is this the the Warrior revenge
2: tour this year? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have young talent that you can trade because they're so deep. You if you want to make the run at a center like Miles Turner and you want to throw Weissman at him, go ahead. Thompson will be back in what two weeks, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Curry, although Curry wouldn't be my MVP, Curry is a top five player in the league. Playing like it. Green looks motivated, as you said, Wiggins is looking for the first time like the guy that you thought would be the num- the player coming out as number one pick in the draft. They're and they're not tired because they haven't done anything a lot. They haven't played in the, in, in, in the playoffs the last two years. You know, we saw last year how exhausted the Lakers were going in after the bubble. That's not an issue with this with this Golden State team. They're relatively rested. They're they have a good mix of young of youth and vet and veterans. They're well coached, and they're going to be a pain in the neck for any team going forward.
1: Well, that and the thing we talked about last year with the Warriors was they had all that time without Steph. And Clay, and then still without Clay, and you put guys like Jordan Poole in a situation where go ahead, go play, make mistakes, we lose. Oh well, learn your lessons uh, in games, in real games, on a real team that, that where the games matter, uh, but you're not expected to win. And they did that. And now look at Jordan Poole. Like there are nights where you don't even think about Clay Thompson not being there because he's good. Um, so yeah, I think having those young guys who are able to make mistakes now. They've made them. Now they've learned from them. Now they're ready. And you see that team playing defense, like I mean, oh, like no
2: Golden State team we've seen play yeah. defense since the Nate Thurman days.
1: Their, their defense mean- was Clay and Steph hitting threes all day, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now they're gonna. Have, we'll see how Clay looks. Obviously, it's gonna. I can't imagine it's gonna take to the playoffs to work him really. But they have time to acclimate.
2: They do. There's no, pr- they're not a team that needs to be the one seed or nope. the two seed. It is more important for them, for him to get reacclimated to playing and be ready for the playoffs than it is for them to be the one. Like Utah needs the one. Yeah. Phoenix needs a one or a two or something along those lines.
0: I think the Lakers need it too.
2: The Lakers need a lot of things. The Lakers need
0: youth. They're not going to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're 100
1: percent on the money on that. Yeah, they're gonna want to stick around when they get eliminated in the first.
2: That's, I mean, when you're talking 20 games in, that West, the Westbrook is already on the trade block. Who is gonna trade for a 45 million dollar a year point guard who doesn't, who has never let it? He's he's just there's no value there. I mean, what what are you gonna do? Hi, this is Jim Dolan. I wanted to see if we could talk about <laughs> Russell Westbrook. <laughs> well, if there's one team that would probably do it, oh, that that team, uh, that was the team I had falling down pretty hard. Randy, we've talked about this. Uh, yeah. They, they overachieved like crazy last year, and typically Thibodeau teams take steps back pretty quickly because they overplay starters too much and everyone gets tired. And this team is just not that talented. They're just not.
0: Julius Randle is a Batman for the Knicks right now, but he is looked at as one of the cops who was stuck underground during the dark night after the rest of the league. <laughs> that's
2: that's see. It. my God, you've had more Batman references in 12 minutes than I've had in 10 years on my show. My goodness. That's, that's I didn't realize weird. I had to watch the Dark Knight Returns before I came on. <laughs> It's either that or Star Wars because of Bill. It's it's one of the two. I'm happier with Batman. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, listen, I'm not going to argue that point. Um, so one of the things that we were discussing also through, over the last couple of shows uh, has been the Charlotte Hornets. And look, they're 16 and 14, a very young team. Uh, I watched a couple of their games. They got destroyed by Dallas a couple of weeks ago. And I look at that team, and I look to see what their ceiling really is. I want to ask both of you, starting with Bill, the Charlotte Hornet team, what do you see, what do they need, and do they actually have a number one on their team right now?
1: Well, Ball uh, has been out, of course. Um, they've looked really good at times with him, and, and maybe, maybe he's going to be the number one. Certainly, Gordon Hayward is showing some signs of being the player that Utah drafted but he's not a number one, you know, he's, he's two, three. Um, so obviously I think Mitch, Mitch is do Mitch Kupchak is doing a better job than anybody who's been trying to run that team forever. Um, but there's still a significant piece away. And is that a, is that a piece to draft? They're not, I don't, they're not going to be bad enough to have another top pick. So that's where you're going to have to say, all right, Mitch, show us some magic it takes a, it takes a really talented general manager to be able to pull off the moves that have to be made for a team to be. When you talk about where Utah is, Dennis Lindsay and David Morway running that team, those guys know that you got to build with the culture, and then you got to understand your pieces so you know where to tweak and when not to, where to develop, where to tweak. Mike Conley is a perfect example. That was a tweak move that was great for them, um, but you know, is Mitch Kupchak that guy? It's easy when you're the Lakers and everybody wants to play for you, but when you're Charlotte and nobody wants to play there,
2: and Cupcheck got run out, Kupchuk got run out of the building, mm-hmm. in, in, at Staples Center, yeah. they're a, they're a team that's capped as a first round and out at yeah. this point.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: As you said, you have you have ball, you have. Miles My, Bridges, who's had a wonderful year going in, but you always wonder and you always worry going into the contract year that they have that year.
1: Yeah,
2: it's always a concern. Um,
1: Hayward hey, syndrome. Would you say it's the Michael Olowokandi syndrome? <laughs> oh God!
2: <laughs> Michael Olowokandi, Jim McElvain. Yeah. Um, there there have been a few. Mm-hmm. Um, there the talent level. There's there's not there's not a lot of depth. They're not a they're a six or seven seed. They're kind of like the Atlanta Hawks were ten years ago where always knew they were gonna be the yeah. five, the six, yeah. the seven, the eight. And you didn't really care because they never scared anybody. <laughs> right. No, and serious. one time they made the good run as the one seed. They got swept when they had four all stars with Corver and Millsap and um, and Teague. And they got swept out by the boat. they got swept out in four games. Like that's what you're looking with, Charlotte. They're they're on a path to medioc they're on a path to upper tier mediocrity, but mediocrity nonetheless. And Kupchak, as you said, Kupchak got run out of the building in LA. That team is was a look, they got Kobe, they got Shaq, and they ran with it. They had a bunch of supplementals. That's what it that's what it was. And, I mean Getting yeah, Gasol was nice, but they're He's not someone who I'm looking at is gonna be he hasn't accumulated assets like a Travis Shank that has in Atlanta. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Where Atlanta has the problem with Atlanta is they got too many moving parts when healthy. And it's hard to it's hard to maneuver. Charlotte's just short them. And I don't know who they can get again, I bring up the name Miles Turner, because you need a five because they don't have one. Yep. And that's an easy name out there. What else? Are you, but what else is really going to make you a top four team? I don't see the player out there for them.
1: I don't either. I, I also question this idea that Indiana, are they really ready to totally deconstruct the team when you just threw all that money at Brogdon uh, what, two years ago, and now you've got Rick Carlisle? You still don't really know that. And Lavert was hurt up until recently. Levert's a wonderful player. He's, He's a really, really nice player. He is. And are you really blowing it up, or is that I wouldn't motivation for the players? Like, hey, we're going to tell Wojnarowski we're going to blow it up, then he'll blast it everywhere and see if it motivates you.
2: Well, maybe yeah. also you kind of get a feel for what's out there. Yeah. You know what? You see, look, Sabonis and Turner combined haven't. while I don't think it's as horrendous a mesh as everyone else does. Nothing's
1: come of it. I like Sabonis.
2: See, everyone likes Sabonis. One. I want Sabonis out in Portland. I think he's, I think he's perfect out there. Yeah. But you, pull you that know, off. What'd you say? yeah. The problem is McCallum has. What are you going to trade? I mean, I think they have too much talent to, to run it off. Twenty five games into into Carlisle's, um, you know, Carlisle's not dealing with a bunch of rookies. It's not the issue. I mean I know you guys were talking about the Dallas issue before I came on. It's not that. They have talent. I'm supr- I'm kind of surprised that again, maybe you're right, maybe it's just they're blowing it up for motivation purposes just, just for motivation purposes. I mean Duarte is a player. Um, Brogdon's a player, Sabonis is a player, Turner's a player, Lavert was my favorite player on the Nets. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a wonderful player if when if he can stay healthy. Right? I, it's not a team devoid of talent, and you have a good coach who's won a title and knows how to handle mid-tier, you know, veterans. I don't – I agree. I don't know why they're talking about blowing it up at this point. You're 25 games into a
1: season. And well, they completely up for grabs. The whole, like, the second and third seeds or – yeah. I... Well, that's the
0: same thing with Portland, too. Portland, Portland has talent. They just don't have the right guy leading the ship. I don't think Chauncey Billups is the right – Bill and I talked about this on the show. Chauncey Billups is not the guy. If you want to keep Damian Lillard in Portland happy, you, you need to make maybe one or two tinkering trades for talent, but you need to have an experienced coach. That's why when Rick Carlisle was available, I said that would be a great fit because there's a guy with a superstar with great players around, like guys like McCullen and you could You could have made something there. The well
1: problem, the problem. they approach the offseason like they're trying to run De- uh, Damian off. You let you let Carmelo go, you didn't replace his offense and you don't have a power forward. And you still don't have a power. They were counting on Zach Collins, now they don't have him. He wasn't the guy anyway. They've been counting on Zach Collins for
2: how many years? <laughs> <A> long time. <laughs> It was like, why? We're, we're in year four. This thing better work now. <laughs> why? After two years. You got a feel of what the guy is. I mean, come on. I, I. Uh, while we're against, while we're starting to wind down a little bit, I got to bring up one
0: of the other hot teams in the Western Conference that uh, we talked about the last one or two shows, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies. This is where youth is starting to come around, and they're doing things the right way, also. And it seems like the Grizzlies always do that. They have a couple off years where they're stock uh, stockpiling talent. And now it's starting to come together. They're right there at top four in the Western conference. Uh, You know, COVID protocols, injuries for whatever teams are going on. Memphis has taken advantage of it. And right there, they're right there.
1: They've been injured too. Jean Morant. Yeah, And they've, they've figured it out for now. I mean, not not saying you're not desperate for him to come back, but the fact yeah. that they're playing as well as they are with him on the sidelines is,
2: Look, we were waiting for Jaron Jackson to get mm-hmm. healthy. He's he's played nicely. They have they are a young, tough team. It feels like a Memphis team. Mm-hmm. They're just a tough team, and they're and Taylor Jenkins has done a wonder, done a heck of a job there. And once Jack comes back, look, they're not as talented as Utah. They're not as talented as Golden State. They're not as talented as Phoenix. We know this. But no, they're not a team anyone wants to play either.
1: No, definitely not. Because hard work trumps talent when talent doesn't work hard, and you never know. <laughs> you said it better than I ever could. Yeah,
0: it's, it's the truth. And uh, listen, Seth, I appreciate you coming on, joining us. Check out the Seth and Sean show every Wednesday. And they also hop on to a Cave Talk Radio and – Jumping and talking some a whole bunch of different talk, p- topics with our friend Gary Aid. Seth, thanks for uh, joining the show. We really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Good, to- good seeing you again. You too. All right, guys, we'll be back in 20 seconds here on the Hardwood Huddle. All right, we're back here on the Hardwood Huddle Bill. Last couple things here. I want to know any Christmas game memories for you from watching the NBA on Christmas?
1: Um obviously 2011-12 when that was the first game of the season was Oh my god. I was thinking about that too before. There were some great Lakers Celtics met, you know, matchups from back in the day. Uh, they always seemed to have the the big matchups for Christmas. Um, and that was the one time I would not uh oh! Did you kill me? No, I didn't kill you. You're, you're, I'm here. We had this circle of death. That was the one time I wouldn't cover a game because obviously it's Christmas, and but um, they always had the the marquee matchups. You you might see Jordan versus Magic on them. You know, they just it's always like the NBA knows you're home and you don't want to go out, and they're gonna put the big stars on the big stage, and you can just bask in that.
0: I, I remember back in 2002, Nets Net Celtics in a blizzard snowstorm. And they were like, it's a sellout crowd here at the Meadowlands. There's five people in the stands, ladies and gentlemen. Let's... <laughs> it was bad. I remember, I remember workers were all sitting there saying that they, they were working on the roads during the game to try and get that open, but it still was like two feet of snow. I'm like... Yeah, I'm not going that game, buddy. But I will tell you, man, the um, Christmas Day, I love it. its It really is for an NBA fan. It is like Christmas. You have to watch all that NBA action. So I hope everybody enjoys it this year. Uh, Bill, we're going to try and make it on at least one more time before the new year. Uh, I thank you. I want to wish you and your family a happy new year and much more basketball to come.
1: Merry Christmas to everyone watching or happy Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever You celebrate. Happy that.
0: (laughs) Happy Festivus. I got the pull-up. I got the pull-up. I'm ready. Let's go. All right. (laughs) So that's Bill Ingram. I'm Randy Zellia for the Hardwood Huddle, courtesy of BackSportsPage.com. Happy holidays, everybody. And we will see you next time right here on the Hardwood Huddle.